Welcome to Brews Rock, your ultimate backstage pass to the captivating tales behind your beloved brews. Get ready for an immersive journey into the craft brewing universe every Friday, where we'll uncover the secrets and inspire you to be part of this extraordinary community. The end of summer is here, and so is our last stop on Jeff's Florida beer adventure. This week, we're coming to you from Bastet Brewing in Tampa with Houston Lett, the co-founder and brewer of some pretty amazing and rare liquid. And for our history buffs out there, we've got some great stories for you too. And maybe a bit of a cautionary tale about getting your wife to do your dirty work for you. Hey, nothing a couple beers won't fix, right? <laughs> Grab a cold one for yourself and let's dive in. So yeah, uh, we already started talking a little bit, but uh, just for our viewers, introduce yourself and where we are right now. All right. Hey guys, my name's Houston Lett. I'm co-founder and head brewer for Bastet Brewing. Uh, we're located on 1951 East Adamo, just west of Coppertail and Ikea on the Ikea side. We, so we've been open two years, eight months, coming up on our three, three year anniversary in November, November 6th actually. So getting ready to do some really cool things. We've got some stuff sitting in barrels that we'll pull out. We usually make a big event out of it, have a roll a bunch of new beers out, a lot of specialty stuff. You guys do like a parking lot thing or is it all just inside here? So unfortunately it's all inside, man. When we were doing build out, we were trying to get the landlord to let us wet zone the entire facility, it cost nothing extra and he was just against it. So it was pretty unfortunate because right behind us in the back, there's eight more parking spots and we could actually rope that off and maybe have an event back there. Like cornhole or something exactly. like that. Exactly, yeah. cornhole, barbecue, chili cook-off, what have you. you know, maybe we can reevaluate that down the line, but it's unfortunate, but yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the name. So we chose the name Bastet Brewing for a few different reasons. One is we didn't want to be typical brewery barrel staves everywhere, grain bag wallpaper, stuff like that. We want to be a cookie cutter facility. Two, we wanted to pay homage to the biggest brewing culture, period. People don't realize how big Egyptians, how, brewer, how big brewers Egyptians were, but they were huge brewers, man. They, um, everybody drank beer. Beer was a daily staple, just like bread. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, everybody drank beer. Somebody died, beer was buried with them in tombs. Um, you know, you made offerings to the God, you made beer. It was insane, the, the amount of beer they consumed. Last, no, I think it was 2021 in Cairo, they unearthed a regional brewery. They calculated how much liquid was coming out of the facility. They said it was a 200 barrel facility. Dang, and that's so, from like- Just from frame? one of many breweries in Egypt, and that was in Cairo. So to make sense of that is think about us. We're a five barrel facility. Cigar City's 30, Coppertail's 50. So it was nearly the four times the size of Coppertail one of many brewers in Egypt. That's how much beer Egyptians drank. Dang, and that and so that was, what time frame would that have been? That's still, that's a- It's 5,000 years ago. Yeah, so there, yeah. that was a long time ago, having yeah. that big of a Long facility. time ago, man. I'm telling you, that's how much beer they drank. And thirdly, uh, Bastet has a really cool beer story associated with her. The short version of that story is, she's known as the Eye of Ra, the protector of Ra. So Ra was in rule at the time. He was getting older, feeling like mankind wasn't really respecting him because of his age. In retaliation, he sent Bastet, sometimes called Sekhmet, out to teach mankind a lesson. And that's what the murals here, it's my depiction of her teaching mankind a lesson. So what happens is she starts wiping everybody out and the other pharaohs are like, hey, if she kills everybody, then no one's gonna worship you. Yeah, <laughs> if you kill like, everybody, yeah, there's nobody left. That's probably a bad idea, right? So you know, he calls her back, she doesn't come back because she's in a bloodlust. 
she's killing people and, and she's having a good time doing it. So he comes up with this idea to make 7,000 jugs of beer, stain it with pomegranate to make it look like blood, uh, pour it in all the battlefields. She sees it, thinks it's blood. She drinks so much of it that she gets drunk, she stops killing mankind. So it's one of those cool little folklores of how oh, yeah, beer saved pretty, the world. You know? Oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, we, we think it's pretty, pretty, pretty badass, so. It also goes uh, hand in hand with, with drinking. Sometimes you get stuck in a cycle where you're just <laughs> drinking so much and then you overdo it and that's what gets you right back to, I need to do a little sobriety time. That is exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, like I was telling you earlier, off air, people have been embracing the theme. We have a lot of motif and decor in here that screams Egypt, ancient Egypt. But uh, a lot of these pieces, and we keep adding on to them, are from our patrons. We have tapestries from Cairo, from one of our regulars. We have money from Egypt, from some of our regulars. Uh, a lot of these de this decor, people just say, hey, this looks might look cool here. And we kind of just been adding to it, and that's been fun. So is that a big thing here in Florida that uh, the community around breweries, they, they treat it as a place that they, they feel home at and they want to make their own little spot? I, I don't know about any other brewery, but I know our regulars. That's, like that's that. how it is, man. It's, and it's, it's been awesome. It's been fun. And we welcome that. People like, we, we're excited that people are just as excited about the history of beer as Tom and I. Mm -hmm. You know, we're big fans of just beer and the history of it fermentation in general, just all those cool little things. And we get quite often, I came here for great beer and I left with great beer and a history lesson. Oh yeah. So I think that's pretty awesome. A lot of people, it just doesn't occur to them that Egyptians were brewers. Some people assume beer just fell out of Europe. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, and not discounting anything Europe done because Europe definitely elevated beer. But. Yeah, no, I actually um, was a school teacher and went on a trip to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And we stopped at Jefferson's estate, Monticello. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have a whole thing in the basement there about how they were, they brew down there and like the women were actually the ones that were down there brewing for all the men and they would just send it up in a little Dunwaiter. So it's, it goes back a lot farther than people think. They do, and you touched on a great point there. And most every culture, the women did it. Yep. Guys took it over when they figured out a way to make a club around it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, historically, women were brewers everywhere. Yeah, we actually have a chapter in uh, North Carolina, Pink Boots Society. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a bunch of women brewers. Pink Boots is awesome. We have a chapter here, too, yeah. Oh, that's Some amazing brewers on, yeah. that, on that list, man. Paloma Mejia, Amanda Milford. Uh, there's just Ali Astle. Lots of talent on that Pink Boots chapter mm -hmm. here, man. They do a lot of collabs with other breweries, and a lot of them have really high-ranking jobs in breweries. They're just a bunch of kick-butt females, man. They're killing it, man. I noticed earlier you have 24 taps. 24 taps, yep. And being just you and Tom, right? The only two, your owners and employees, correct? Correct. So it's just Tom and I running the show. I, I do the brewing. It's both of our recipes. I do the brewing, though. He runs the front of the house. Tom is hands down the glue of Bastet. Without, Bast without Tom, there's no Bastet. I'm pumping out the juice, but Bastet would fall apart without that guy, man. He does so much stuff. He does all the stuff that I'm terrible at and, I, and that, I, that I only have the patience to deal with. Thank God for him. <laughs> but do you find it hard to keep up with 24 taps uh, with a five barrel system or? Always. It's, it's, it's a chore in itself, especially when we specialize in variety. So people like to come in here and ask us all the time, hey, what are you doing for? And uh, how do you address that without sounding like an a-hole and be like, hey, yeah. beer, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, actually, believe it or not, Tom came up with this great 
diplomatic answer in, in its variety. And, and it's, it's true, you know, I, you saw our tap list, 21 taps, one soda, one cider always. And, and it's a huge gamut of styles from light to dark. Some of them traditional, some of them not so traditional. We like to use a lot of rare, unique ingredient, but very intentional though, not for the sake of using a rare ingredient. Like mm -hmm. we, we have a super specific purpose for that ingredient. And we like to think that we do a pretty good job at it, man, you know? Does the area that you're in, does that lend to some of those ingredients? Like some of the ingredients that maybe are local that you can't really get unless you import it from somewhere? So we do use a lot of local stuff. The cooler stuff, I would say probably not. We seek inspiration everywhere. Fresh markets, Asian markets, Indian markets. We work from, with goji berries to red dragon fruit to Buddha's palm. You know, uh, even, um, what's the, I'm trying to think what I'm thinking. It's in yellow rice. Saffron? Saffron. We've done, we use saffron beer. In a beer? In a beer. Interesting. Um, we've done millet beer from like Africa. We've done Sema, which is fermented lemonade from Finland. We've done tapache, which is a pineapple ferment from Mexico. But we've also used local stuff. We've used local pomelos from Dade City in a beer. We've used kumquats from Dade City. We've done strawberries from Plant City in a beer. So yes, we do have, we're lucky enough to have some pretty awesome ingredient local, but we we do local and out of the box, non-conventional stuff as well. Yeah, and I kind of want to talk more about the uh, the green, that was the cider that I had, right? Oh yeah, the plum pandan, yeah. And can you tell me more about the pandans? Pandan is a, it's a plant. It almost looks like miniature aloe. It's used in a lot of Asian cuisine. A lot of those ingredients like that, I'll just, I'll think about like, hey, I've had that. How can I incorporate it into a beer? And I'll get a lot of three in the morning ideas and stuff. I keep a pad by my bed. I keep a pad in my backpack. I, I'm super forgetful. So I don't, if I don't write it down, then it's gone. But yeah, I uh, somehow came up with the idea of using Pondon, just like they use it in cuisine, in, in a beer with plum and vanilla. And, uh, you know, I did a couple tests with those, the, the fruit and the, and the plant and the vanilla in things before I actually put it together. And it just turned out to be a really good pairing and it, and it works, man. I don't know. It you makes tell it cool, me. It makes a cool color. That's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. It was delicious too. So yeah, I, that's why I want to talk a little bit more about it. Like sometimes those, those color things draw you in, but they, then you taste it. And they it do, man. They do. And honestly, I don't use them a lot of time for the color and like uh, one of our other one-offs that people like is Ubi Dooby Doo. So it's an Ube Yam beer. So Meyer Lemon's the base and it's Ube Yam, which is a purple yam. Yeah. Uh, it's very common in the Philippines. It's, there's Ube ice cream, they have Ube baked goods, they have Ube everything you can think of. Meyer Lemon, Ube Yams, Japanese yams, which look like a regular potato, like regular sweet potato when you cut them open, it's white. They're actually sweeter than sweet potato and vanilla. My idea behind that was ube ice cream, which I love ube ice cream. I get it from the Asian market all the time. Mm -hmm. And then melding that with Italian ice. Sounds super freaking, and it's definitely uh, super aggressive to try that. <laughs> yeah. But I did it and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, ah, nobody's gonna drink this beer. And it's a huge hit. And one of the, I think, pluses for it, it's a deep purple. It's pretty neat when you see it, man. But uh, somehow those flavors magically work together, man. And that's how we treat our recipe development here. We treat it like cooking. I mean, it essentially Just is, Just experimenting right? and trying that's different it. things. That's it. And, and Do you think that's a product of being such a small company that you can, you don't have to ask 15 different people if you can try something new? You can just 
Yeah, absolutely. Tom and I are pretty, pretty communicative with when it comes to these things. He has those analytics down and we'll see for sure what sells the most and what does the best. But when it comes to like me creating new ones, he lets me go and let me do my thing, which is great because to outside looking in, it may sound crazy until I put it together and they're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty unique. Yeah, so let's switch gears just a little bit and talk a little bit more about y'all's background. So I know you said that you started in the brewing with, you said loggers was what got you started? Both of our backgrounds are similar. So Tom started really early, I think in the 80s. He was that guy that always had a 12-pack of Guinness. Hmm. And his friends called him the weirdo because he drank Guinness. And I didn't start drinking uh, craft until early 90s. And I, I was bartending at a party and I had a Bitburger Pills. Fell in love with it, and that's what started my journey. So Fast forward to Tom and I separately were home brewing. At the time, we had worked at a law firm together. He was IT, and I was graphic designer. We had a mutual friend. Like Tom and I knew each other. I think we met in '95, something like that. But we had no idea we both were separately into beer. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours was like, "Hey, you brew beer. Tom brews beer. Why don't you guys hang out together?" And uh, we found that out and ended up co-founding a homebrew club together. Ten guys, it was, it was one of the smallest homebrew clubs in Florida. It was ten of us. Out of ten of us, four of us actually went pro. It's pretty pretty cool, man. It was a, oh, yeah. it was a it was called a Water to Fire Brewers Collective. And it truly was a collective because we would brew every week together. And then we would drink those beers, critique those beers. People report back like bad things that they did, things that didn't work. Yeah. So we learned from a lot of each other's mistakes. So at the time, we were getting really good at it. We were winning medals, we were competing, we were just having a great time doing it. Tom and I got laid off from our day job. So we got laid off, and at the time, he was already writing a business plan. Uh, we finalized that business plan, and he was like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to hear your shit about this? Do you want to? So we both, he first, actually, our friend Ian Schmidt, he got a job at Cigar City first. Then Tom came later. I ended up getting a job a liquor store not around the corner from Cigar City. And every day on my break, I'd go there and beg for a job. And between that and Tom and Ian saying, hey, hire this guy. And me saying, give me a job, give yeah. me a job. <laughs> Finally got a job. And Tom and I worked there. We were production brewers on the 30 Barrel Brew House. We worked there for quite a few years. I was a little over two and Tom was there six years. And yeah, man, after that, we left and started this. The rest is, the rest is history, man. It's, our time at Cigar City is immeasurable. I, we learned so much in such a short amount of time, man. It, it, it's insane the amount of knowledge that is coming out of that, that facility. Yeah. They actually are having a friends and family event in November, the week after Thanksgiving, and we're part of it for 15 breweries that spawned out of them. You're either head brewers at another brewery or owners of another brewery. Mm -hmm. And that's not even all of them, I, I don't think. I think those are all the ones that are like documented. But that's a really awesome story that that one brewery has spun off so many, taught so many different people how to. That's, that's, how to I do mean, it. And, and juggernauts, Green Bench, Angry Chair, big guys get better at killing it. They really know what they're doing and, and they're really transparent or pretty much open books if you want to learn. I mean, the knowledge is there. So there, yeah, they don't have any problem with you coming in, learning from them, and then taking what you learn. And Absolutely, man. I, I remember at one of our meetings, it said, uh, after all, we're just training you guys to go start your own brewery, because it's happened that many times. That's, that's <laughs> their opinion about it. Oh, that's awesome. And is it still like a good relationship, like if you needed a bag of grain Absolutely. or something? Absolutely. I literally just got yeast there 
two days ago from my brew day yesterday. Yeah, we, we talked to a lot of brewers. I think we've done like 27 so far, and that's been a common theme. Wherever we go, different cities, they're just like, yeah, if, if someone needs something, they ask us for it, we'll happily let that's, them have it. It's super supportive, man. That's one of the cool things I like about this industry is everybody's willing to help you. All you need is to do is ask, man. People always say, oh, well, yeah, competitor down the street. I'm like, they're not my competitor, they're my peers. We don't look at each other as competitors because if you think about it, most brewery goers go to multiple breweries. You, you may go to your favorite more or the one closer to your house more, but essentially their customers are our customers. Oh yeah. So we don't look at each other like, hey, we're stepping on each other's toes. It's just people come here, they say, what are your recommendations? And hands down, I recommend Carvertel, Berry House, Zydeco. They're all right here. Why would they not hit those spots? Yeah, you when know, you can walk from one to the other. It makes total sense. And they're, they're pushing out good liquid. Now, if your liquid is trash, I'm not gonna, promote you, <laughs> yeah. you know, but they, these guys are doing good beer. Like, why would I not? Yeah. And I go to their spot. So why would I say, no, don't go? Oh yeah. You, I guess you would go on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when after you finish up production yeah, if, here. If, if I leave in the middle of rush hour and traffic's bad, I just don't. You just I'll stop go, in there. I'll yeah. go over to Barry House. I, I will say I do go to Barry House the most out of all the um, ones close by. Mm -hmm. Just again, I'm a logger guy and they have a lot of loggers there. Yeah, man. Is there any other interesting tidbits or facts about the brewery or the No, area? man, just if you haven't tried us, check us out, give us a try. We have essentially four cores, but everything else cycles out pretty regularly. We got some that are encroaching upon core status because <laughs> they're doing so well. But yeah, man, if you want something fresh and unique, definitely come to the right spot. But you, you, if you want some traditional stuff, you can come get that too. You know, I got a Pils on, I have a, a Belgian style triple on, I, I have a red, I have a blonde, I have, oh, man, we have a dry stout we keep on giant, yeah. Exactly. I was gonna say when you said he was the, Tom was the one with the Guinness and oh, yeah, I saw the dry stout on there, I was like, that's, hands that's down. great for him, yeah. Yeah, that's hands down his favorite beer to drink here is, is the dry stout. And we keep it on nitro, cause why not? Yeah. Right? But yeah, man, just if you want something unique, Fresh, good, clean liquid, man. Just come check us out. Yeah. And so we always like to end these episodes with just any words of wisdom for people that are either trying to get into the industry, trying to become a brewer, or even just any part of the industry being a bartender. Absolutely. First word of wisdom is if you're getting in it for money, don't get into it at all. Just because with this industry, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of just grit and dedication that it takes to, to do this. So if you're not passionate about it, don't don't waste your time because you're going to be miserable. I tell people all the time, this is a labor of love. So if you don't love every aspect of it, then I won't say every, the majority of the aspect of it, just don't do it. Two, I would recommend don't go from your garage to owning a brick and mortar. Go work at a professional brewery, go beg to get a job, volunteer, even if it's just washing kegs to start. We are so fortunate that we got to go work for one of the best breweries in Florida. We learned a lot and uh, breweries a dangerous place even for people that you know what you're doing. Don't go from your garage thinking that this bucket is going to behave the same way as this conical fermenter because there's a lot of things in the brewery that can kill you, man. I would say for sure, go get a professional job and don't get in for money, be in it for the passion. It's perfect. Thanks for uh, having me out here and, and chatting with me. Quick awesome. and easy and painless, right? Awesome. Yeah, man. Cool. All right. I appreciate you. Of course, man. Thanks again to Houston for sharing your story with us. And happy three years to Bastet Brewing. If you're listening from the Tampa area, 
go stop by for a beer and tell them Bruce Rock sent you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you about your favorite breweries as well. So drop us a line on Instagram and let's be buds. Until next time, drink good beer and tip your bartenders. We'll see you at the bar.